This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by the Wibbly Wobbly Playset, now featuring Charlie and his friend Roger. Remember, if you don't have two, they won't wobble. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about... How are you being served? How you doing, Mr. Jeff? Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, unanimous. Hello, Hello unanimous. Everyone. Woo-hoo. Hello, oh, Esmeralda. Hold on. <laughs> Whoa, that was That good. was your best one yet. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> oh, another week. I have to say this episode, way, way, way up there for me. I know I'm just been a broken record. Like every episode, so good. What a great episode that was. Blah, blah, blah. But no, this one, I'm, I really mean it, this one. <laughs> I think it's like there's so many cool little toys. And I remember this episode when, when I was a kid and I wasn't too far away from playing with toys when I discovered it. So I don't know. Maybe I was like more into the toys in the show at that point because I was so young. But uh, this is a good one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and ladies and the gentlemen of the unanimous, I think we're going to have our first fisticuffs on the podcast. Um, this is actually not one of my favorites. What? <laughs> I think that we do get a lot of great visual gags with the toys, but there really isn't a lot of plot here. There's not a lot of conflict to drive it forward. You know, a lot of our staples that we see throughout the series in terms of um, Mr. Lucas and Miss Brahms' sexual um, tension mm, yeah. and Mr. Lucas... Um, insulting and, you know, going back and forth with Mrs. Slocum. A lot of that's absent here. And Mr. Humphrey's costumes reveals. Exactly. There's none of that. Yeah. Exactly. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. There's not a lot of plot, but there's a hell of a lot of cool stuff. Maybe I'm just like a fan of the 70s. There's a lot of stuff to to unpack, which we are going to talk about. Yeah, and there's just like so much 70s stuff in this. I don't know. Yeah. So. So. We've had some uh, lovely interactions lately. We had a really cool um, person on on Twitter who looks very similar to uh, um, John Oates from the Hall of Oates <laughs> people. Um, yes. Leroy, L-E-E-R-O-I. Uh, I think that's a gentleman. Don't know. But uh, they, uh, he, they, really liked Are You Being Served? And he said, you know, I felt like I'm the only person who loves this show. And, well, um, you're among friends, Leroy. You've all done very well. Yeah, we we get it, Leroy, and we're glad that you're you're part of our fray listening to us. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we do the show is because I think that if if you're like us and discovered it as an American, as a teenager, it it doesn't feel like you're connected to the rest of the world because your peers likely didn't watch the show. They have no idea what show you're talking about. (laughs) At least mine don't. We're we're all out there, and we're we're glad to have you aboard. We uh, are and, the world. <laughs> um, we also want to welcome Alexa and Beryl and Brenda. Thank you for joining us as well and tuning into our little podcast. Yes, Beryl, the operator. We didn't know you were. Uh, oh, that's online. Right. No, so Beryl, no, Beryl is the um, Madame Beryl Salon. <gasps> no, you're so right. Who is the operator? What's the operator's name? Beryl is a good operator name, though. But is it Ethel, the operator? Mm, no, I think, is it Ethel one of the cleaners? I don't know. But Beryl, yes, Madam Beryl. So, Beryl, please let us know um, if you are a beautician. And I think I looked you up, and I think you are from the UK. So if you were like a hairdresser named Beryl, that would be the coolest thing. And if you are, take a photo of yourself next to, like, your sign, like, Beryl's, a can of lacquer. Beryl's Beryl Hair Salon. Boutique. Way Out Boutique. <laughs> Oh, that would be great. <laughs> oh, boy. So, listeners, normally at this time, we'd remind you to register to vote, but those days are behind us. A oh, lot yeah. of states, the, the registration has come and go, uh, gone. So, uh, instead, we're going to ask everyone to have a voting plan. 
Figure out what you're going to do. If you're going to mail in your ballot, if you're going to drop it off at a ballot box, if you're going to have someone else take it for you, or if you're going to go in person and when you can go. So please get out there and vote. And while you're doing so, wear a mask and wash your hands. And please, please remember that Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I'm totally here. What you're, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Mr. Jeff. Um, if you're an American, like we both are, um, most, I think a third of the states, uh, which is, you know, over a dozen now, uh, states already have uh, early voting. So today is uh, October the 13th. And uh, I think a huge portion of states are already allowing people to vote. New York State... Uh, you can vote early on the 24th of October, and that's what I'm going to do. I don't know about New Jersey. But, yeah, go out there. And I will say, like, right now the shit is hitting the proverbial political fan. And it seems like every day there's something else in the news that's horrible. But the biggest remedy to that is to go vote. And if we can all go and vote early, that can really put um, a hamper in the plan of the Trump administration to uh to try to you know become like a tyrant so go in early vote my my plan yeah why don't we why don't we talk about the episode that sounds like a good idea take us back jeff what are we looking at when was this originally aired so today we are talking about season five episode two a change is as good as a rest uh which originally premiered on march 4th 1977 Okay. And um, that week in the news, there was an earthquake in Romania that killed over 1,500 people. Holy shit. And that was a really, really noteworthy thing that happened that week. Um, Jeez. And I couldn't find a lot of other else uh, out there that was interesting or relatable. So we're just going to we'll just plow carry on, right, on from that. Right so on through it, yeah. Right. Sheesh. Okay, so let's open up the episode. What happens first? So... We open up in the boardroom, and it seems to have had a bit of a renovation since we were here last. I feel like the last time that we saw the boardroom was in Hurrah for the Holidays when they were looking at slideshows for Costa Planca. Oh, my God. You know, I just remembered. Um, I, there, I'm in so many Yahoo uh, – not Yahoo groups. That makes me sound Whoa. really old. Jeez. Hey, 2003 call. Oh, I know, right? Hey, do, why don't you aim me? Um <laughs> That's AOL Instant Messenger for you children who don't know what that means. Uh, no, I'm, I'm in a lot of Facebook Are You Being Served groups. And um, some of them have some really great photos that I've never seen. There are a couple of books out there that show, like, behind-the-scenes footage of, like, you know, this of the, the show being filmed, right? But I saw a couple of photos that I'd never seen before, and it was a shot, like a really wide shot of Mr. Mr. Gra- um, Mr. Rumbold's office. And of course, you know, every TV set, it's not four walls. There's three walls because the one wall's white, so you can film inside, right? So um, they showed the paneling and, you know, it's that horrible brown paneling yep. you see. And and um, it was actually, it, it looked like they only had one stage to film the entire show. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I always thought there'd be like another room somewhere. No, that's, no. So what they would do is they take... Um, the four walls and, and like assemble it inside where basically like the center display is. And uh, if you ever see them close the door, you see all of the walls kind of like wobbling. That's because <laughs> they're probably just like propped up with a two by four. I mean, it's the magic of TV, but right. yeah, it's crazy. That, so that paneling, I always thought like, wow, that's what like a real office would look like. And then you see the photo and you're like, oh, it's all fake. Yeah. Yeah, so back in Hurrah for the Holidays, it was a very, there were two tones of wood. It was like that blonde oak and that light walnut paneling. Yeah, yeah. And there was that silver Art Deco trim around the doorway. Um, And now it's a really dark walnut, Um, but we still have that larger-than-life painting of young Mr. Grace. (laughs) Um, Wait a second. When we were in, where was... When they had um, the trial for Captain Peacock. Yeah, yeah. When he was, you know, accused of um, being in the car park with Stephanie. And Carl Schulten. And Carl Schulten, right. Um, was that in the boardroom as well, or was that in just some other conference room? Did they just, like, clear out the table for that? I, I think this is a, a point for the continuity freaks yeah, online to, to, have a, to have kittens, to do a callback to last episode. Uh, yeah, I think they just, like, eh, whatever, let's just throw this up and throw up the table in there and... All right, Fair all the enough. actors file in. Okay, come on, guys. Let's yeah. film this thing. 
So Mr. Harmon comes in and tells them that young Mr. Grace is going to be down shortly and he knows what the meeting is about um, <laughs> because he's seen the folder with the meeting memo but refuses to tell them. Yeah. Um, Peacock suggests, well, maybe there's, a, there's going to be a takeover by the Army and the Navy. No, what Humphrey is says, that? Oh, that'll be nice. Is that going to be? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be nice. I, is Army and Navy, that must have been like a, a chain or something, right? Because I pictured like the Army taking over... <laughs> Grace Brothers, like that doesn't make sense. I'm guessing like the the shop that supplied the army and navy with like their clothes and things like that. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've never understood that. That's the thing about this episode. There's so many things that I just didn't get as a kid, and now having watched it again as an adult, a lot of the jokes I didn't get were very sexual. So that explains why. There you go. <laughs> So they're all very curious as to what's going to happen. So Humphrey says he's going to keep KV for Lucas while he looks in the folder. And I had never heard – I don't think I've ever heard keep KV outside of this show. I don't think that I've, I've, um, yeah, I've never heard, heard it, it every day. And it came from schoolyard slang that originated at Eaton College, which is a very posh um, – Exactly. A very, very posh um, – our equivalent of like middle and high school – um, uh, in uh, in the UK. And so Lucas goes and peeks in the folder, but Peacock admonishes him and says, nope, I, you, you can't do that. It's secret. He says, right, I'm sorry, um, but I did see the words Peacock and replacement. So that gets up Peacock's feathers and he goes in and looks and he's reading along. He's like, oh dear. Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. He's clearly taken... <laughs> Oh dear, Kim, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. That was so cute. I loved it. He, he's clearly taken Kath Day Night speed reading course because <laughs> right. his finger is moving along the middle envelope. Oh dear, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. We're all to be replaced en masse, right? So Humphreys goes, well, my horoscope said I was going to get a new position, but I interpreted it quite differently. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was a joke I did not get when I was a kid. Yeah. And so now they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do about it. Are they going to take it or are they going to resign first? And so Miss Silken comes out with one of her catchphrases, weak as water, weak as water. I agree with you, Mr. Granger, and I am unanimous in that. Yes. Right? Um, and so they decide that they all agree that they're going to resign together because I guess over there it's more about saving face than having to worry about collecting unemployment. Because here in the U.S., if you resign, you can't collect unemployment insurance. But I guess over there, no matter what, if you're out of a job, you collect on your, your social insurance. Yeah. So they figure out that they're going to go in alphabetical order. And so Brahms goes first. And she's like, <laughs> nope, men first. Men and then they all part to Granger. I love how they all who, say Granger, like all right. together. <laughs> Who was the one who um, proposed the idea that they resign, right? The ringleader. So Mr. Grace comes in and they don't greet him as normal. They kind of give him a little bit of the Coventry treatment. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Granger announces before you say anything, I must resign. Oh, well, that's too bad. Now tell them what you need to say. I love he was like, okay, (laughs) whatever. Right. And so Rumbo lets everybody know that um, the departments are going to swap places for a week in order to get practice and experience working in other departments. So Haberdashery and Notions is going to go to bathroom fittings and sanitary wear. Stationery is going to bedding. And the ladies and gentlemen's department is going to the toys. Uh, okay. Floor. I have to jump in. Go so for it. this is Brandon being a young, young man. Like, I don't okay. know. When did I start watching the show? When I was 12, maybe? I don't remember. 11? I was a kid. So, of course, remember back in the day, people, there was no internet. Um, there was no streaming. There were no DVDs. We were lucky to get this on, like, a little CRT screen. I don't know, like, 20 inches across. Like, not very big. And then you wouldn't have, like, surround sound. I'm trying to give myself some credit here. The TVs had one little speaker, so it wasn't great to try to understand. I mean, we all speak English, but they speak a different English than we do, <laughs> right? So I would often mishear things. So what did you hear this as? <laughs> um, again, haberdashery, that's a, that's a word that we don't have in this country, right. really. So that was, okay, I've since learned what that is. But you and know, it also, and it also yeah. means something different here than it does over there, right? Because I thought haberdashery was hats, 
But I think I made that mistake on the podcast and like everyone was like, no, 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 it's fabric and stuff, right? So, right. So over there, haberdashery is the, um, you know, fabric that's used for, for sewing and things of that. Yeah, and like notion, needles and stuff. And notions is like buttons and things that you embellish sewing with. Well, that's the, that's the, the, that's the thing. So, what did you hear it as? Lotions? Lotions. <laughs> so I'm like, so maybe in London, maybe like lotion is so important that they have a whole department and there's hundreds and hundreds of different brands of lotions. And I'm like, that's very strange. I don't get it. And I will continue the weirdness. I was a very dense kid. I thought London really loved the 1970s fashion. And I thought Are You Being Served was a modern show. (laughs) What is wrong with me? I just thought for some reason it was like retro and like maybe American TV cameras were like more like superior or something. I don't know. I, I was a very confused kid. That's hysterical. Teach your children well, people. Well, I mean, back then, right? back then you didn't have entire departments or stores dedicated to lotion. But today, you do, right? I mean, you have, if you go into... Bath and Body Works. Bath and Body Works, or you go into Macy's, they have an entire, like, section, like, with organic naturals with all, like, their lotions and the face washes. So, like, if you were to make that mistake today, it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be misunderstandable. I mean, you know, where I'm from, like, the the place you went to shop was the Walmart. So I'm just like, I just can't picture a whole department for lotion. I was just a confused kid. That's, <laughs> it's really not It's really not much of a thing about the show. It was just about I was a confused child, really. <laughs> oh, so they realized that they need a senior assistant, um, even up in the toys department. And so they immediately decide to promote Humphreys over to Granger's position and they promote Lucas up to Humphreys position. And so they've got an opening for a junior. Um, Granger can't withdraw his notice since it's already down in the minutes. Thank you, Miss Bakewell for being so efficient with your note taking. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry he, if it's in the minutes, it's official. I love it. So funny. So he has to reapply for Mr. Lucas's position and so he's hired as the junior, which is pretty funny. And right? then Mr. G- young Mr. Grace, like, shakes his hand. Welcome aboard, Sonny. Welcome aboard, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally figure out how old he is because we know that Mr. Granger is at least over 70. I, don't, I think that's the first time we've ever gotten his age right. No, no, no. Because no? in, um, in the first season with the clock, it was his 65th birthday because he had to retire. Oh, that's right. They thought he was going to make him retire. That's so right. he's he's sixty eight or sixty nine now. Strike it yeah. from the record. Strike Ms. it. Stricken. Take take that down, Miss Bakewell. Throw it away. Now throw it away. <laughs> it's off the record. <laughs> um, so Humphreys gives uh, Mister Granger a little bit of uh, light natured ribbing and says, "Now be careful. We de- debag the juniors on their first day." Now what does debagging mean exactly? So in the in the states, our verb for that is pants to pants someone. Okay, where you okay. take their, their their trousers down. All right, with, I can tolerate that. There, yeah. Compared to what it could have been. Moving right along. <laughs> what did you think? Oh, you think it was a tea bag? Uh, I don't know. My don't know. <laughs> obviously, I'm very confused about this episode in life. So we cut over to the toys department, and Mr. Harmon is riding through on a bicycle. Wearing a Bobby's hat, using a blow tickler, and honking his horn. You know, it's weird because I've always, I don't know, as a kid, I would watch this episode and I would always hope that one day I'd go into a toys department in a uh, department store and it would look like this. It would have like fake brick on the arch and like ivy and it it was always a letdown. This this made my my standards too high. Damn you, are you being served? (laughs) And Captain Peacock is in a really bad mood since he had to come in on Sunday in order to learn all the merchandise. Oh, gosh. And so they start talking about the toys and Granger's like, well, I never really liked I never liked kids even when I was a kid. Um, But I did used to make toy soldiers out of plasticine, uh, which is a kind of modeling clay that doesn't um, get hardened by firing. 
Uh, in the U.S., it was sold under the brand name Color Forms. So it's like just some modeling clay, uh, maybe a little bit more dense than Play-Doh. Hmm. So if you're a Beatles fan, they say the word plasticine in Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Little overlap there. Oh, deep cut. Well, oh, not yeah. a deep cut, but oh, yeah. like a really good reference. Um, so he used to take the soldiers and fill them with tomato sauce, which he means ketchup. Yep. And then he'd shot them down with this air pistol in order to make his sister sick because they'd explode with, like, <laughs> blood. Gross. <laughs> so gross. They didn't have a cable. What else are you going to do? So now we start to get into a lot of the, the, the visual gags with all the toys, which is great for a podcast, by the way. Yeah. Um, and and so then pe- they did. And then right. they did. <laughs> Um, so Peacock starts off with a little tiny mechanical wind-up bear uh, that takes a few steps and stops, and Granger calls it Japanese rubbish. Um, and then we get to one of the stars of the episode, I think, is <laughs> our, our sponsor, by the way, um, the Wibbly Wobbly Playground, which um, cost three seventy-five back then, which would be twenty-one pounds today. Um or twenty eight dollars. That sounds right? a lot of money for what that is. It sounds like a lot of money, right? Know. Because like when you compare it to the cost of toys that we had as kids, if you think about like the Fisher Price toys, like those are the ones I'm thinking about in the same age group. Yeah. There's that garage, right? I feel like everybody had or that garage or at least is familiar with it. Where the elevator that you wind up and like the the you could go down the slide, the chute. So today at Target, that retails for about $20, right? That's really cheap. That's a lot cheaper than I thought it would be. But here's the thing. The other two really famous Fisher-Price toys, or at least what I associate with in that age group, it's the telephone, the one that you pull along with the string. That that had like like the funny googly eyes that would like – Right. Okay. I remember that. Right. And then the corn popper vacuum thingy. (laughs) That's such a weird toy. Right. (laughs) Those are both $8 each at Target right now. Even today? Wow, it, that's really cheap. And that seems really cheap, right? So three seventy five when you're configuring inflation, it seems like a lot for these for the Weebles, right? That's what they were sold as in America as a real toy. And um, yeah, especially when each additional Weeble is another 25p. Yeah, you know, I had to do some deep diving about this because um, later in the episode, you'll notice um, as Mr. Humphreys is going home, he has to say goodbye to the toys, which is so cute. It's such a like a little kid thing to do. And um, it's that weird like green dome treehouse playset thing. And my I don't remember if it was a cousin of mine or my aunt who was much younger for an aunt. So she's almost like an older sister. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it was her toy, and so I kind of inherited it or something. But um, I remember playing with that. So I'm like, wait a minute. I had one of those, and I had to do some Googling. And um, in the UK, it was called Family Treehouse, and I have to do another uh, consistency freak thing here. Mm-hmm. It did not feature the Wibbly Wobblies, or the Weebles, as they're actually called. Um, it was called... Um, these little peg family. It was like a little family, like a mom, dad, and little girl and boy. And they right. had like little peg f- for feet. Yeah. So one, that was one mistake. Thank you very much. Um, but, you know, you can st- they still sell the, uh, the treehouse. So I was all nostalgic. I was Googling, like Google image searching and stuff. And Target, believe it or not, they still make the treehouse. And you can buy it. And it's 50 bucks. And wow, if you want to go okay. to Target.com, it's called the Fat Brain, which is a company, uh, called the Tim- Timber Tots. And, um, like, the, the people, the little characters have changed. I think they're, like, little, like, fox people or something now. But it was so cute to see, like, oh, my God, like, I could buy one and, like, totally reminisce, but then I'd just collect dust and stuff. So, But um, it's kind of cool. So um, I remember the Wibbly Wobblies, but they were called Weebles. And this has been That Does Suit Target. That does suit um, Weebles. <laughs> use, use promo code That Does Suit Madam for an extra no. Can I'm you kidding. imagine how much fun that would be? <laughs> um, I, I also had one. I also had one uh, a toy that was like that, that lived at my grandmother's house. It, it, it never, I never took it home with me. Yep. But for some reason, I remember it being Star Wars themed. I feel like it was like the Ewok Village or something. 
Yeah, it could be. And that, it's funny you say that because I looked into like who I wonder if there was a difference between the UK and the United and the United States little yeah. treehouse thing. And I, I found out that the company that makes the UK version of the treehouse, the the family treehouse thing, and I found the name of it. It was called Palatoy, and the company Palatoy. I don't know if they're still around or not, but like if you had a a, a toy from the '60s, '70s, or maybe the '80s, like they did all the Star Wars action figures and stuff. Oh, weird. Yeah, so like if you if you said Palatoy and you're from Britain, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, da, da, da. it's probably like Fisher-Price or Playmates or something, like some big toy company. Right. Here. So I, I wonder if they actually took the uh, family treehouse, painted it like Brown. space gray, <laughs> and then just called it the Ewok Village, right? <laughs> I think you might have just solved a, a very challenging there question. There we go. Um, Captain Peacock goes <laughs> on demonstrating the rest of the mechanical toys, Tuffy the Tank, a couple of robots who get tangled up together. And we see Granger actually light up and laugh, which is very out of character for him to begin with, much less of all in the toy department. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of foreshadowing where we're going to get to see a different side of Mrs. Ranger a little bit later on, right? Yeah. And then uh, everyone goes over to the mechanical, what do they call them? The mechanical cuddlies? I love how, I love The cuddlies, yes. The cuddlies, yes. I love how each, like, they have to, they're so regimented in this stupid show. And everything's all about the hierarchy and it's very rigid, which kind of makes it funny. Um the next little bit coming up, I think, is one of the most salacious and best acting, best keeping a straight face from Frank Thornton. Uh, yes. I think this is like the most difficult joke not to laugh at. And he did it. So it's really good. Yeah. Mrs. Slocum, when they get to the Cullies, Mrs. Slocum <laughs> exclaims, well, they're all dogs. Is there no demand for mechanical pussies? <laughs> And, and here's Peacock. the thing, yeah. <laughs> is that the name of the sex toy really is called a mechanical pussy. <laughs> I wouldn't so, know, Jeff. I don't. <laughs> and so Frank Thorne has like the straightest face on and he says, I've been told people prefer the real thing. <laughs> N- not cracking a smile at all. <laughs> not at all, right? <laughs> Um, so they play with the dogs for a while and then we transition over to dolls, uh, and we meet Annie, the air hostess, which is like a Barbie doll type thing. And Mr. Lucas is looking up her skirt to make sure she's wearing knickers. <laughs> I love it how he like pulls, pulls, takes the doll upside down, gets really close. So he's looking in and immediately Miss, Mrs. Slocum says, Captain Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like he's getting some his his knocks his rocks off by looking at a doll, and Mrs. Slocum is just ready for him to do something inappropriate, and he does. Absolutely, he does. <laughs> um, and then we meet, I think, who is the other star yes. of this show, Playgirl Penny and her boyfriend Fun Time Freddy. Yes, we almost <laughs> named the podcast Fun Time Freddy, didn't we? Oh, that's right. That was one. That was one of the um, spinoff names, we'll have to do titles spin-off. in the going. <laughs> and so they're showing how um, Playgirl Penny has articulating arms. And so uh, Lucas asks about Funtime Freddy. Well, is he easily bent? <laughs> uh, bent being a slur word for gay. Yep. When you, like, you bend someone over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Funtime Freddy comes with a shower unit. <laughs> it's so stupid. All you have to do is undress him and then trap his neck in the shower. And then press his... It's got this, like, clip and on. And press this horrible little button and water sprinkles down. Now, isn't that exciting, little boys and girls? <laughs> I mean, apparently for 1977, it was very The height of novel, technology right? for your kids, I guess. Hmm. Mr. Lucas asks, does he always keep his boots on in the shower? Because they're painted yeah, on, yeah. right? You can't even, like, remove them. <laughs> and Mr. Alfred says, well, they don't call him Funtime Freddy for nothing. <laughs> and as a kid, I always <laughs> wonder, like, is that a sex joke? Like, I don't – I mean, no, it's just like him being cute. There's really nothing no, beyond that, right? No, it, it totally is a sex joke. Is it? Yeah, totally. Because it, it, there, there are some people who, like – 
Well, you know, I'll leave your shoes on because they've got like a shoe fetish or something. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, look at Mr. Brandon still being so. I, um, I don't know. But it's funny. <laughs> so I think, was it you last episode um, for Mrs. Slocum Expects? You said, aha, we just remembered another Are You Being Served clue murderer. Fun time, Freddy, uh, right. in the shower with the uh, boots. <laughs> with his boots, yes. Yeah. stupid. <laughs> oh, God. We go over to the magic counter where um, Captain Peacock demonstrates a little um, a coin bank where you put a penny in and then a hand slowly reaches out and grabs it and pulls it in. And so Miss Jeffries picks it up and inspects the bottom. Oh, just as I thought, made in Scotland. And so I totally didn't get this joke as a kid. I didn't either. You need a lot of but context to get it. You need a lot of context for it. So it turns out that um, in the UK, uh, Scottish people have a probably undeserved reputation for being cheap. And I think it's also like a geog- geographical thing because like, you know, in the South where I'm from, people don't have as much money as they do, say, on the coasts. So you don't go and splurge on, you know, a hundred dollar meal. You might make something at home. So, you know, in Britain, all of the money, of course, there's exception, but like especially in the 70s, the like Scotland, the north of England wasn't well known for being a wealthy area. So, you know, if you don't have a lot no, of money, you, you will all. be a little bit more spendthrifty. Right. Well, it actually, so their, their reputation, deserve it or not, it comes from back in the days when the Church of Scotland used to really promote frugality uh, as a way to combat drinking. Hmm. Uh, it was a way of like having them to uh, in, introduce teetotaling as a way to be able to save money because um, way back in the day, you know, as you indicated, Scotland was probably the poorest of the four um, countries of the United Kingdom because there really wasn't a lot of industry up there. Uh, Not a lot of arable of, land and that kind of thing. A lo- lot of poor farming, exactly. Yeah. So, huh. um, We then move on to the more complicated dolls, and we meet um, Betty, who is a doll that is made in England, and she can speak, and she says, my name is Betty, and I want to go to the potty. So she retails for £12.50, which would be about $90 today. That uh, 90 is so pounds much today. money. Or $120. That's, that's a lot of money. That's crazy town. For that kind of a dollar. That's crazy town. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, we have to remember that like, when we go to a shop, we're thinking of Target or Walmart or whatever. When we're thinking about right. like how much do dolls cost. I think maybe the 70s and 80s, I think toys and stuff got a lot cheaper, maybe, that's than true. they did. But I don't know. That's a lot of cash. Yeah. But there is an alternative that retails for about half the price, and it's made in India. And her phrase is, my name is Jasmine, and I have just been to the potty. And unfortunately, she potties when she's in Mrs. Slocum's hand. So she's like a little disgusted by that. Obviously, it's just like what water or whatever yeah, the yeah. saline solution they filled. But like, it's still like just kind of gross that this doll just pottied in her <laughs> while she's holding her. <laughs> Yeah, I also kind of thought that was a little bit of like anti-India kind of joke. Um, because I don't know, Definitely. Like, Mrs. Slocum, she kind of grimaces and she almost looks embarrassed for the customer. Well, no, there's no customer, but you know. Um, it, well, it's it's because the, the doll just went potty on her is what it is. Mm, you know? it's, yeah, okay. I, think, I think it's a remark on how um, things were being manufactured overseas and like being like undercutting the English... Um, manufacturing industries yeah. well it also goes back to when um mr granger said cheap japanese rubbish you know i yep. i think back to one of my favorite movies uh back to the future when um in the first movie doc brown um sees something about i think marty mcfly has like a boom box or a walk oh um the cam- the camcorder i think and it says okay. made in japan and doc brown you know in the 50s he's you know back in time uh he says oh that's why it doesn't work it says made in japan and then doc uh, uh marty mcfly says come on doc all the greatest stuff is made in japan like all his electronics and stuff so there's definitely a, a time between the 50s right. and the 80s where 
electronic stuff, I guess, um, started to be made in Japan. Whereas before it was like only the cheapest stuff. Like I guess after the war, um, you'll yep. see like Japanese ceramics and stuff, and it's kind of like mass produced, blah blah blah. But that changed. Yeah, th this time period really is. Um really is when Japanese industry really started to boom was in the late 70s uh, when they became a powerhouse for electronics. Why don't we uh, head downstairs to the canteen for a tea break? What do I want? Um, I think I would like just a lovely cup of tea. How about you? I think I'm also going to have a lovely cup of tea and we'll talk about that a little bit more after we get back from our break. Foreshadow. Great, we'll be right back after we're coming back from the tea, tea break at the canteen. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com and, and you've, you've all, all done, done very well. well. All right. Hey, everyone. We're back from the canteen. The manageress was gone, so that was a godsend. Um, I had a lovely cup of tea, and that kind of brings us to our topic for uh, the next uh, little episode, inside episode, that we like to call... I am, I am unanimous, unanimous in this. this. And the topic today is tea. No, tea. not the letter T, the drink T. Not what's the T like your truth. And it's not like the T like you're on Sesame Street. Like the brought to you by the letter T. It's the drink <laughs> T. So what is tea, Jeff? Tell us what that is. Well, tea is dried leaves that has been steeped in water. And if it is made properly, it is also taken with uh, three stirs clockwise, two stirs back, one and three quarter <laughs> teaspoon sugar, and show it the milk. Oh, I see you're from the east of London, not the west of London, because that's, <laughs> they do it very differently there. Um, yeah, so I think if you uh, are an Anglophile, like a lot of our listeners tend to be, um, you know, you kind of try tea, and you're like, oh, you keep hearing tea, 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 and you try it, and you're like, all right, no one else I know drinks this stuff. But when you kind of get into it, you realize, oh, they kind of know what they're talking about. Um, so how do you take your tea, Jeff? So when I drink it hot, I do it according to the PG Tips commercial. Um, but I was drinking my tea way before that advert came out. Mm. So I do like I do like a milky brew that is sweet. Um, and when I drink it cold, I actually prefer an Honor Palmer. Sacrilege. That's wrong. Sorry, ever Half tea, half Sorry, water. unanimous. Just to ignore <laughs> what you see behind the curtain. But, uh, Jeff, what if people don't know what PG Tips is? Please explain. PG Tips is the best brand of tea that is out there. Controversial. <laughs> um, it, it, it's just a, it's a, just a brand of tea that is readily available in supermarkets and in pound stores. Um, I like it because it doesn't have a very tannin taste. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, a lot of the mass market brands we get in the States here are very bitter. And I feel like the tea, like a PG Tips, is just very kind of smooth. I also do like an Earl Grey or an English breakfast, which have a very subtle spice note in the end. Um but not as strong as an awesome, which I also like, by the way, but I, for fancy. making chai. Yeah. I, I, I do like my tea. So <laughs> how do you take your tea, Brandon? Well, because I stayed a bit in, in jolly old uh, Blighty in England, uh, my, my friend Jim, uh, who lives in um, Somerset um, by Bristol, uh, really sweet guy, 
Um, he taught me how to make the, the, a, a very good cup of tea. And I mentioned this on the show once. Um, he said, because I was making tea for him because I was staying there for a week. And um, I said, you know what? You won't even know I'm there. I'll help you clean up to your dog and I'll make your tea in the morning. He said, deal. So I was making these American cups of tea and he, he just he was just passive aggressively tutted. He was like, which is extremely, you know, <laughs> right. rough. That's like the worst That's insult ever. That's a huge ever. insult in, in Britain. So um, <laughs> if he ever listens to the show, I'm, I'm gently friendly mocking you, Jim. But um, anyway, so he taught me how to make a cup of tea. And you take a uh, – and I think why maybe Jeff and I both love PG Tips is um, if you do spend time in Britain, it is ubiquitous. I mean, you do see – I think that's probably – I mean, I would say that's like – the coffee company that everyone uses in the states but people don't brew their own coffee anymore now it's all pods and stuff but there's really no equivalent but i think people probably grew up with having pg tips and their parents bought it when they were kids and their parents so it's kind of like i don't know like the the, the classic brand that your parents always did and you like it you know like you probably buy the dish wash the the, the dish soap that your mom or dad fairy you know fa- would you call me Fairy is a British uh, soap company. Anyhow, so but PG Tips is is very um, it's a very strong tea, and um, it comes in like a little bag that's not like a Lipton bag, but it's like a pyramid. It's like a pyramid, yeah, yeah that it, allows for a little bit of better water flow around. Yeah, yeah. So it it brews really quickly, and. Um, Kind of like the advertisement said, you add milk and sugar to it. Because I think if you didn't have it, it would be too bitter. But, you know, if I don't have two cups of, you know, PG tip tea in the morning, I'm not a happy guy. Now, that is not to say. That that's not your favorite. I'm surprised that you're actually stepping up for PG tips here because I know it's not your favorite. Well, I mean, it's good stuff. I will say I do love a good cup of Earl Grey. And that's not just because I'm a a Jean-Luc Picard fan. Um, they have something called bergamot in the tea, which mm. if you're not familiar with it, bergamot, it sounds very like fancy. They have it sometimes in, um, it's a, it's a, the oil of a lime skin of the rind yep. of it. Um, and it's very fragrant and it's sometimes used in, uh, men's cologne actually because yep. it smells so nice, but it adds this, this layer of delicateness to uh, a cup of tea and of course you put a little bit of sugar and a little bit of milk in there too but man a good cup of earl gray like john luke picard knows what he's talking about yeah um and if you're ever in london there's a company called twinings of london which um it's sort of like one of those old companies in britain that they're like we served uh jesus when he was 10 like we're so <laughs> we're so old um, but it's one of these companies, and of course, like Britain is known for tea. Like if you talk about Americans, they think, "Oh, hamburgers." You talk about British people, think, "Oh, tea." Right? Yeah. So you think that the the company that has all of the tea, like the oldest tea, would be really important, and it is. It's sort of like a cultural thing. So if you go to their website, Twinings is spelled T W I N I N G S. It looks like Twinings. But um, they have a great little site all about the history of it. And they say that, you know, tea officially came over to England in 1662 via the the Portuguese wife of Charles II. So if you're a history Mm. buff, which I know we have some out there, um, after the English Civil War, when Oliver Cromwell came in and and they killed the king, King Charles I, they said, "Ah, we want the king back. We're going to get his son and have him be king. And he married a woman from Portugal. And that woman brought tea to England. So uh, that was a very important thing. Her Interesting. name was Catherine okay. of Braganza. Braganza? Braganza. Sounds right to me. But anyway, shortly after, um, the company called Twinings, uh, the, the family, uh, the Twinings family moved to uh, London from Gloucester. Gloucestershire? How would you say it? Gloucester? Gloucester? Gloucestershire. 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 Easy for me to say. And a wild and exciting journey ever since. But, uh, yeah, they have a, uh, a shop that was like the original tea shop from like the 17th century. And it's cool. Yeah. So Twinings you can get at most supermarkets. I know that they've seen it. But if you're looking for something a little more posh, 
um, uh, Fortis is like the really, really posh brand of tea uh, that has a few shops throughout um, London. And you'll, I think they also have some uh, in, the, in Heathrow, like right before you're about to leave. But if you're looking for something that's a little bit more affordable but still posh, Taylor's is also another brand oh, okay. of tea that's also known for that. And if you go to a um, Home Goods or TJ Maxx or, or a Marshalls right now that yep. has a food section, they're featuring boxes of Taylor's right now um, for about two ninety nine, and that kind of, that stuff usually sells in the UK for about six or seven pounds because it is a posher brand of tea. So this is a really good opportunity to get your hands on some quality. Earl Grey for a pretty good price. Some import-export person was like, I'm going to get this such a good deal. I'm going to sell it. And I'm going to introduce it to the States. And the Americans are like, do what? <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> tea? So, yeah, there we go. You're, they're lost, you're gain. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to think. Um, we talked about a tease made before. Um, we haven't had have, – we haven't talked about the apartment yet, have we? Have, we haven't done the show. No, that's coming up. Uh, oh. I believe season eight. Such a good. That's such a good episode. Um, in that episode, Mrs. Slocum uh, points out to Mr. Humphreys that she has a tease made that he can use, which is this very British thing. And I'll explain it again real quick. It's a. It's an alarm clock that instead of. I mean, it buzzes to wake you up. But as it buzzes to wake you up in the morning, it brews you a cup of tea. So it's right there on your nightstand waiting for you to wake up. And um, it was sort of a, a class thing because um, it was seen as very lower middle class. And, of course, everything's about class in England and in, in right. Britain. So if you were upper, upper class, you would probably have, like, a maid. And you would be woken up by, knock, knock, excuse me, ma'am tea and they bring you a little tray and tea and like a little piece of toast and that's how you wake up every morning very nice right but if you can't afford that the only thing you can afford is a teeth made which is sort of like you're aspiring to be upper class but you can't so you have an alarm clock do it for you instead so the british prime minister john major in the 80s john majors um had a teeth made and it was a thing in the news that it was like a shameful thing that someone like John Majors had a tease made because that was lower middle class. And they made fun of him for it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He was, he was, um, John Major was the 90s though, right? Because it wasn't Maggie? Late, late 80s? 80s. I don't remember exactly. There, I should yeah. know. But yeah, yeah, so tease made. I mean, that's a, it's a big thing. But yeah, tea is a, they take it important. They take it seriously. If you go to um, Tesco, which is, kind of like a walmart you would say kind of they have a little i mean as just closer to a walmart no you're right no you're right you're so right as i mean basically if you go to any like big supermarket yeah or like even like if you go into london and or manchester and you go to like a department store they'll have like a little tea shop and a little tea cafe yep and this is like now you go and there's like a starbucks everywhere but from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all throughout, they've always had, like, little cafes where you go and sit down and have a lovely cup of tea. Because at, like, 4 o'clock, wherever you go, it's sort of like, that's what you do. Kind of cool. And now, and now you just head on up to Costa or Pret or whatever and... And then stare on your screen and listen to a podcast. So that's great. Hey, Ray. There you go. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's back, get back to the episode where uh, young Mr. Grace calls Mr. Rumble to check in. Um... And he says that we should be able to foreguess the general spectrum of viability later this afternoon. And Mr. Gray says, I don't have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I hate ends up on it. corporate broad speak. I hate that. I think this is a great, I think it's a very well-written phrase to demonstrate said, um, uh, said corporate buzz speak, but, um, <laughs> good to know that it was around back then and it's not a new problem. Yeah, I mean, That's I think on one that. episode I mentioned, I, I worked with a guy, um, like a, decade ago who was clearly trying to like go up the up the the, the ladder and he would yep. like throw in buzz speak all the time and he would say we're really excited about the upward mobility of the different synergies of the different 
And it's just like, you didn't say anything, man. Like, you're just saying <laughs> words. Stop it. Yeah. Ah. We cut back up to the toy department, and Mr. Humphreys is wearing a jester's hat, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, a phone call comes in, and uh, he goes to get Captain Peacock out of the Wendy house. And so he knocks on the door, and Peacock's like, who's there? And exasperated, Mr. Humphreys goes, Peter Pan! <laughs> Peter Pan! <laughs> and so, unfortunately, um, Humphreys can't take over um, for Peacock, who's trying to sell the Wendy house, until the customer pops out the other side, and it turns out to be a young sailor in uniform. And that makes Humphreys change his mind. I'll, I'll take over, I'm free. Captain Peacock and Mr. Rumbold talk about reinstating Mr. Granger. And Mr. Granger, Mr. Rumbold um, bemoans that he's having trouble getting through to Mr. Grace. Oh, is his telephone out of order? No, his brain. No, his brain. I think this is the, <laughs> the first time that we really hear someone um, take a swing at Mr. young Mr. Grace. Mm, how the mighty have fallen. Yep. Uh, and Mr. in the same breath, Mr. Rumble delivers the news that Captain Peacock has to wear a whimsical novelty propeller hat in order to be able to sell this uh, on the floor. And this is so beneath Captain Peacock, yeah. right? He is, he is this middle upper class man who carries a billfold, not a wallet. Uh, sorry, a coin purse, not a wallet. He um, has a color television set. And a detached house, so it is. It is below him to have to wear this this joke hat. Right? Yeah, this is he did. This is something a, a man of his stature would not be forced to go through with. Is what he's thinking. Right. He's like, I, so he I, goes, I wear a red carnation every day. I don't need to do this. <laughs> right. So he goes to young Mister Grace's office to complain, and I was surprised about how small young Mister Grace's office is. It looks ex- exactly the same as Rumbold, just like mirror image. Yeah, right? I mean, it goes I, back I, to the I thing where that, they they only ha- they only have one set. I think you know. I guess, but I still I still thought that they would have made um, Young Mister Grace's office as big as the boardroom, maybe. You know. Um, anyway, it's really weird seeing people in private offices, uh, considering the context of today when we're most of us. Uh, are working from home. And even yeah. when we were in the office, uh, most of us work in all open plan seating. And today, having a private office is a symbol of prestige or that you have um, authority over very confidential matters. Yeah. And I wonder what it's going to look like when we emerge from lockdown and go back and actually return to office and... Are there going to be more private offices because it's going to be more sanitary? I can't even picture it. I mean, that's that's, that's a scary thing. I know that um, all of the places I've ever worked, it's almost always been kind of an open floor plan. And there's a lot yeah. of documentaries out there. Uh, something on Netflix I saw once saying that it is the worst thing for productivity and the feeling yeah. of fulfillment in an office setting to be surrounded by people all the time who are speaking and talking on the phone and you can't understand, you know, it's like this weird thing that does to your brain. But with COVID, um, the HVAC system in uh, office buildings, of course, this is, you know, in the States where we have central heating and we don't ever open windows and all that kind of stuff. So it might be different elsewhere in the world. But um, it's the most efficient way to spread COVID. You know, because it's yeah. taking your it, taking air and mixing it all around, and so I have no idea what they're going to do. That's that's the crazy thing. So just as Peacock is leaving, all the staff burst into Rumble's office, and they're complaining that everyone is playing with each other's toys. And Mrs. Slocum complains that Mr. Lucas is filling up her tinkling dollies with fizzy lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now that's a, that's this a is weird like, thing because in the UK. Lemonade does not mean what it does to lemonade in the States, does it? And I learned that the hard way, right? So over there, when they say lemonade, they're talking about something carbonated, right? Um, Like uh, Sprite or 7-Up, or maybe a little bit like less sweet. Something that's usually used as a mixer for Tom Collins. Ooh, gin darling, Tom Collins darling, yes darling, right? (laughs) But the still water drink that's made with lemon juice and sugar, 
uh, is called cloudy lemonade or homemade lemonade. Hmm. And okay. so, uh, or, or, or even, a, or even a lemon squash. Right. Um, and so you just got to be really careful when you're ordering that on the menu at a restaurant or, um, down in Brighton at the beach or picking it up off the supermarket. If you're not expecting fizzy, you have to be careful. About Just that. the idea of Mr. Luce going down and like putting like seven up <laughs> in these stupid little dolls and they make a big froth. Like that's so ridiculous, <laughs> but we can definitely picture it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. You get a little bit of an ish moment when we see that um, one of the toys that Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas are selling is a Native American costume complete with feather dress, tomahawk, and scalps. Ah, do we think that they do that today? I, I think that um, there's been a, there's been a lot a big movement. No, no way. Um, maybe for the past three or four years or so to make sure to remind people, especially around Halloween, that. Um, cultural appropriation is not a costume right that if if you're going to dress up as a yeah. specific person or as a specific character it's one thing but to go as you know generic indian uh, little bit insensitive to the people who are yeah, actually don't do of that. that culture so go just go as mr humphreys or mrs slocum people that's that's all you need to do maybe rumbold if you need to don't go as an Indian. No, yeah. don't do that. Mrs. Slocum is selling a bridal doll, and she asks the stupidest question. <laughs> Again, because <laughs> class is everything in Britain, will it be a registry oh, yeah. office or a church wedding? <laughs> <laughs> so she felt she's. And then the woman's like, it'll be a church, it'll be a church she's wedding. Like, oh, I think that's best, don't you? Oh, we're of the same class. Okay. I, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So exactly. she, I think, I think one of the reasons why she was asking that is to figure out what price point, because she pulls out a very expensive doll, right? Mm. Um, the one that's a bride, a groom, and the full trousseau for 20 what pounds. What is trousseau? Troop. Is that like a, is that like a 1970s car? <laughs> no. Oh, that's Peugeot. No, Never not. mind. Um, so Trousseau is everything that the bride brings with her on her wedding day. So the veil, the train, the garters, you know, everything, the, the something oh. blue, everything she, the hanky set, the whole thing. Yeah. That's a new word for me. So there you go. Trousseau. Madame Trousseau. So it, it retails for 20 pounds. And if the first, the, the, if the Betsy Wetsy doll that was British was £12.50, which is about $120 today. This doll set is going to be worth about $200 today. Like, that's That's ridiculous. like a day's wage for a doll. Right. That's ridiculous. Wow. So the doll speaks. It says, I love you. I love you. I do. I do. And Mrs. Locum is painting this picture. Can't you imagine it? The vicar is giving the speech. They're at the crescendo of the wedding. They stood in front of the altar, and she utters those romantic words that he'll remember forever. She pulls the string, and the doll goes, I want to go to the party. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Slocum, she tries. She tries, and she gives, like, the little, like, kind of, like, a a questionable face, like, oh, maybe, yeah? No, not, not, no sale, Mrs. Slocum. Um... Mr. Granger has been responsible for selling trains and he's got about eight kids who are watching him. So he's like collected quite the crowd with his train set. And so he goes to blow the whistle and he could barely work the whistle. Like, I don't know if there was something wrong with the whistle, if he was just out of breath, but like it takes him about three tries to get a sound out of the whistle. I know he was like so feeble and like sad. (laughs) Um, Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, but he's really enjoying himself on the train set. Like he's, uh, he's, he's interacting with the kids, and I think that he's actually going to end up making a sale. Right? Um, it turns out we learned that young Mister Grace knew what was going on and why Granger resigned and what he meant by it, and so he was always going to reinstate him. He just needed to teach him a lesson. So, all right, maybe young Mister Grace isn't as mentally feeble as he uh, portrays to be sometimes. When he feels like so out of it. Um, it's the end of the day and we see that the staff is 
has a little velodrome set, like an indoor track bicycle game, uh, and they're taking bets on it, which is pretty funny. Yeah. That they're betting 50p on it. Uh, it turns out that the bell had gone two minutes ago, and nobody had noticed because they were so engrossed in playing with their toys. So cute. And he announces that the experiment is over and they're all going to go back to their um, own departments next week. And Mr. Granger is upset, even though he's getting reinstated in his old senior position. Um, he was hoping that he could continue as a junior in the toys department so he could continue to play with his it's trains. It's so cute. And like, he, he so seems cute. so curmudgeonly. And like, and like you're right, earlier in the episode, he was like I, I, smiling and laughing and, you know, not himself, not his character. And now finally we see him loving it and he was going to like be a junior in the uh toy department just so he could play with his trains and i will say did you notice um the scene where he tries to blow the whistle and um there's all these like eight little boys around and you see like on the corner there's like a little blue like a little green flag and this little boy is like probably told by the director he's waving it Okay. No, no. no. He blows he's the not whistle. waving it. He's barely moving it around. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he wasn't sure if he was supposed to do it yet, but he thought he should do something because the other actors are doing something. So he'll just kind of like limply, like move it around. <laughs> it was yes. very like awkward. I felt bad for the guy. <laughs> that 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 man is probably someone's like grandfather now, and he's like. Kids, remember me? That was that awkward young man. Is your granddad? <laughs> um, young Mister Grace also had trouble with the whistle. He did, but I will say the scene when he comes out when um oh oh god, what's his name again? I'm always forgetting his name. The actor Harold, Harold Bennett. Bennett. Sorry, Mister Bennett in heaven. Um, did you notice how spry he was? He said something like, "Come on, come on, um, Ernest, let's play with the train." And he, like, did a hop, and he moved his arms really fast. Did you see that? That's true. Yeah, I did. I think yeah, it's all I an did. act. I did, re- I did, Mr. He did. Brandon. It was I interesting. Did. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's just an act. He's not that, like, old, feeble man. So they are acting. He's acting. <laughs> Picture that. They're not really working um, at, a, at a store, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that's our episode, folks. Yay. And so, I mean... I, I, I stand by what I said at the beginning of this episode. You know, we don't have a lot of plot. We don't have a lot of conflict. It's meh as an episode, but we get a lot of visual gags, and we get to see uh, Mr. Granger laugh. I don't think we get to see him enjoy <laughs> himself until he wins the pools and oh, almost quits, which is, which is coming up in a few episodes. Well, there's a lot of good little Humphreys-isms, which, of course, it's the Mr. Humphrey show from Brandon, of course. So one thing you didn't mention yep. is when he's wearing the jester hat, and the phone rings. He's like on his knees or something. <laughs> Who knows why? And pops up. And he pops the up. And it, like he has this giant hat. It's so cute. And then he answers it like uh, <laughs> toddler wear, you know. <laughs> and then uh, he said, it's, "I think it was Mister Gr- Mister Rumbold saying, I'm looking for Mister Captain Peacock.'" And he says, "Oh, I'm sorry. You've just come through to Gnomeland. Like I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I love that he, um, when they're playing with. Tuffy the Tank, and it was right after Mr. Humphreys, you know, displayed the uh, wibbly-wobbly set, and he's playing with Tuffy the Tank with, you know, they moved over to the next table. Out of nowhere, Mr. Humphreys says, I bet Roger would like a ride in Tuffy the Tank, and he opens his, the, the, one of his, the breast folds on his jacket, and he kind of like produces Roger out of his little pocket. <laughs> and then he kind of like cuddles with him. It's so cute. And I love when he like I- explains the um, the little playset. And he's like, he doesn't want to disappoint his friend Roger, does he? So he goes up the wib- wibbly side, <laughs> up the wibbly roundabout, up on the rib- wibbly walker. Oh dear, that's upset Roger. He has a wibbly wobbly tummy. Like how cute is that? <laughs> So this episode gives all... Obviously, I'm getting very worked up. Um, <laughs> it gives all of the Are You Being Served fans out there an opportunity for their loved ones for holidays or birthdays to get them the Wibbly Wobbly Play set off of eBay, which it does exist. It does exist. You have to call it Weeble and then Playground and Google it and it'll come up. 
So for those people who have everything, you can now buy them the wibbly wobbly playset. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. That's a that's a gift idea from the show. Mr. Brandon, what are we going to talk about next week? Oh, wow. So this is called Founders Day. Um, this is the episode where they do This Is Your Life. And we've talked about that in a couple episodes ago. Oh, uh, okay. Remember when I discovered the um, Danny LaRue episode on YouTube? And there's one of John Inman. So this will be a really good right. one. So, Mr. Jeff, if people want to get in touch with the podcast, how do they do it? So we are on Facebook and we are on Twitter. You could also write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com. Or you can call us on the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. So thank you for listening, Unanimous. Please join in next week. You've all, You've all done, done very well. well. See ya. Bye. Bye, everyone. That Does Suit Bantam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Batteries not included. <laughs>